0: Everybody, how's everybody doing? I hope you said good. I've been doing good. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. Tuesday, well, we're like about three days to go till Friday, but it's fun. It's fun. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you have a paranormal aid, I got to fix this. It's never shook like this before. I don't know what I did. If you have a <laughs> my buttons and my thing shaking, if you have a paranormal need, uh, or you think you might have a paranormal need, we can get you. It might take us a couple of days. California is a big state. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, when they think when, when people back east think of California, they think of us like Hawaii, right? Beaches, sun, surfers. It's like that. It's like that in certain parts of California. The more you go up north, the colder it gets. So uh what generally happens is that people wear a lot of wetsuits up north, but they're still surfing. But as you come inland, it, it changes. The terrain totally changes because you've got desert, you've got high desert, you've got mountains, you've got farming areas, you've got a lot of rural space, a lot of open space. So that's why it might take us a couple of days to get you, never more than two days. okay? And in that case <clears> that it does, what we do is we have uh, mediums on staff that can call you and talk to you about what may or may not be going on in your home or business. And in a lot of cases, they can settle it. they they can settle that down until we can get out there and uh, do our investigation. So you can, so yeah, so it's a a good deal all the way around. You want to find us, we are on Facebook under California Haunts, California Haunts Radio. My name, uh, we're over on Twitch under Cal Haunts. We're over at Twitter under California Haunts. We're on YouTube under California Haunts, Paranormal Investigation Team. So there's all kinds of ways to find us. Oh yes, thank you, and TikTok, Ask California Haunts. That being said, if you're watching tonight and you like what you hear, and I hope you do, and you haven't done so already, and you're watching from Facebook, please be sure to hit that follow button. You know, we're looking for followers to you know to build that up. Also, because the the, the way the algorithms work, the, the more comments you leave, the better. Like even in the comment section, or show me some love, give me some thumbs up. You know, show me some hearts and happy faces. That'll help. And what that does is it puts us out, but Facebook sees that. And it pushes us out into internet land, and then more people are able to see us. All right? Same thing with YouTube. Works the exact same way. If you haven't subscribed already, please be sure to do that. I've got 761 videos sitting over there. They're all this show. I put them into categories, so it makes everything easier to find. Like, you like medium Nancy Mats? She pops right on up. She's got her own folder. Go in there. You like alien abductions? Boom. It's right there so you're able to find it and again if you haven't subscribed already please do so we're trying to hit our thousand mark i'm trying to hit as close to a thousand by by november as we can all right because right now we're with 300 away so i'm really excited about that really excited okay today it's going to be a really cool show um as you guys know um, karen clark who's a regular on here is also a medium comes on in the i've known karen for many 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 years She's a retired LVN. Her sister is an RN. So uh, so I I love talking to nurses because they have such unique stories to tell. And uh, my guest today, Kathleen Kelly, has a bunch of unique stories to tell about her years as an RN, especially in the ER. So strap yourself in. Go grab your fuzzies. Put them on your feet. Dim those lights. Eat your dinner. Do whatever you're doing right now. And enjoy the ride. So let me bring her in. Okay? Here we go. Excuse me.
1: Hi. Good. How's it going? Wonderful. I loved you. I've never listened to you before, but I've been listening to your podcasts and I find them so interesting. And like you said, you could anything if, if UFOs are haunted, it's just so much fun. I never thought it's, oh, yeah. I'm an ERRN. I just never thought I could be on a show like this. I started realizing you talk to doctors and nurses and I'm a medium and, and and we're all intuitive, but I see how it hit. It's all different. Kind. It just was fun. You uh-huh. should sure get information to people of how to discover themselves and their own intuitive power. Huh? Sure, sure, sure. So tell me about you. Well, I have been um, on our end. And an ER nurse for a thousand years. <laughs> and I decided I to journal. And then my my kids say, God, some of your stories, you should write them down. And my grandkids wanted me to write them down. So I wrote them for Christmas. And then I started while I was writing the people in my stories. I felt them coming and telling me, tell a story right. Give it it's and they remember me they tell me things, and I'd remember things. Oh, thank you. That's my book, Voices of the ER. And it just talks about what a journey it has been for me. And I find there's angels in all kinds of places. You know, there's angels that are patients. And some of the best connectors to people are like uh, we had this cleaning lady, and she would go in to help in every room, and she'd look everybody in the eye, and she'd say, how are you doing? And she'd actually be able to wait and look him, and listen and see how they were doing. And as nurses, we're so overworked a lot of the times. It's so hard when we can't connect. And we see all the, you know, the tubes and the EKG and the ICU. But I noticed that this lady was like biofeedback, even when people were in a coma she'd go in and talk to them and their blood pressure would come down and their old two sets were normal and their heart rate would just get more regular and you can always tell when a patient is in pain or anxious or something but you could tell she was a healer and we're all healers but this lady had a special gift and that was hers she can communicate all of us communicate without words and sometimes we just need to learn to listen within you know listen to our mm-hmm. own inner and we can hear and i remember when i was a little girl i had a hard time talking and so i stuttered terribly i've changed since then thank you but right. i really had a hard time and i used to watch people and what i noticed was that their words were always what they were thinking so mm-hmm. I got really good at at intuitively knowing what they were saying. And sometimes it had nothing to do with the words that came out of their mouth. We're all like that, by the way. So, and in the nursing profession, I find that there were healers in so many, in so many places that doctors, and you know enough, you told me about one of the phlebotomists that came in with your family member, <laughs> and she just, did not she wasn't a healer you know so there yeah. are a lot of people you wonder why they got into the job you know but there right. are a lot of us that are there right. because we can in here you know the difference between a doctor and a nurse or even a friend that is there for you so it's just a wonderful gift and to be able to write these stories down because these stories some of them and you read some of them and some of them are so funny you cannot make a this kind of humor. I mean, people are funny, (laughs) but they all have a story and you all have stories. And since I've written this book, people have called me up and written me and some of the doctors in it have called me and said, I have in more stories. So I guess my second book is gonna be, and more voices of the ER, your voices, because they're incredible. And I do a lot of readings for people, and I find the way to get them to understand their own choices and how to make choices to empower them so they can listen to their own intuitive guidance. And so that's some of the gifts that I've been given as an ER nurse. What a, what a wonderful, honorable, humo- <laughs> humbling profession that is. And I'm just so appreciative that you even read the book. You said you stayed up last night all <laughs> well, night long. If she, forgive her for being tired because she was reading my book, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> how you? Know,
0: how were you able and you? You, you you've done this for you know as an ER nurse you have worked for years and years and years.
1: Was it hard deciding on, on what stories you, uh, you were going to put in the book? You know what? Um, I was going to put any stories of me being a medium because i thought people wouldn't understand it we really don't have a spiritual language i was going to write mm-hmm. a book about my readings and how i do that healing through my intuitive readings um i mm-hmm. do archetypal readings and i do think anyway and my husband said that's part of life that's part of what you do you come home and tell me the stories and your kid but that is what makes it the wholeness of life and that's what balances us out we need to Mm -hmm. laugh we need to be able to cry we need to be able to connect to each other and we need to know that in that veil between life and death there's a powerful connection we are always guided and we have to be able to listen and when Mm -hmm. we listen that's, and and I found it just you don't have to write in crazy, and also being a medical professional, I didn't want it to sound too technical. You mm-hmm. can tell me that I overdo the technical stuff. I just try to talk in a language that you can understand. Right. And then the spiritual thing, and it doesn't. It's I don't even like to call it psychic because that makes me think of a circus, you know, and whatever. Sure. I want it to be an intuitive thing. Were you connecting the part of you that absolutely knows? And we don't have a very good spiritual language. So I just put it in my own language about what I see when a patient Mm -hmm. is dying. And um, when you're in my profession, you see so many deaths. But I found that there really isn't any such thing as death. There is a change, evolvement, Mm -hmm. a welcoming to another higher universal truth of life. I I see. I don't know how to put the words in there. But I try to make it sound like we're just talking about something that's part of life. And we're so afraid of talking about death that we don't. Doctors and nurses, it's sort of like they think a lot of them do think that death is like an enemy. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's part of who we are. And it's such a gift that so many patients have given me to be part of that intimate moment where that veil is crossed and we can connect to think with ourselves. So that's the language of love because that's all there is on the other side. It's love. And so many times when I've done a reading or something, people come to me when they're having. A lot of troubled doctors will send this person to me that aren't able to figure out how to deal with whatever challenges they have with their body. And it's always a body, mind, and spirit challenge. And so what I do is I I let them breathe a little bit and then I read their chakras. We have chakra centers that we block and it causes dis-ease. And every chakra center we have holds on to energy that we block. And it's like, uh-huh. do you mind if I just go on talking? I'm <laughs> fine. Go ahead. You can go shut good. me up anytime.
0: Go My ahead. husband
1: said, you know, get a word in. Okay. But you get a word in any time you want. But anyway, it's, as long as we're talking about healing and, and life and, and intuitive. Sure. you're on the bottom chakras of that color is red and that ground to the earth hey do you like my background that's my backyard. yard
0: i did not have awesome. to clean
1: house yeah i didn't have to clean house i just put beautiful. my backyard nature clean how beautiful it looks i don't have to anyway. that is beautiful okay Absolutely so beautiful. <laughs> so this is pacing mountains it's gorgeous up here anyway so the bottom chakra connects you to this Earth Keeps you grounded, keeps you not going off into the schizophrenic dream world or whatever You need to be connected to this earth And children up to the age of 8 are on both sides So they can see the inner entities and spirits And they can talk to others And about 8 years old they start getting more By now we should be pretty connected (laughs) I've never quite connected but anyway there you go So the basic um, connecting to this earth and not thinking of everything else and all over the place, being connected. I am one with this earth, I'm one with you, with all the people, with their friends, with nature. The Native Americans know that. Um, My husband Jim was born on the Cherokee reservation where the children are taught that earth is the people. We are all equal. So if you have $100 every day of energy and a couple of dollars are are there in that you're spending on not being connected to this earth and to being connected to all of us that's spending mon- money that you could be spending on focusing and curing and healing yourself okay so the second check it's right over your sexual center your gonads your you know your creative center where we give birth where men have their sex because that's creative center and when we do not let that creative spirit out, that causes more damage. You can have all kinds of problems with uh, getting pregnant and all kinds of reproductive problems right there in illness. So I can see where you're blocked. So that's why I'm a medical intuitively seeing. So there with that, how much money do you spend? Let me tell you a thing. If you an abortion and that happens to you, That center, whatever energy happens that is sad, destructive or disease causing, Mm -hmm. it is not anything like the kind of damage you do to yourself when you Mm -hmm. keep yourself from creating your ideas. From your imagination, you stop a creative idea, it causes damage to your own growth, your own health right there. So I can see that. So, so much have you, money have you spent on earthbound or your creative idea not allowing, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, up here, you have your solar plexus. That is mm-hmm. where you hold every negative thing that has ever said to you. Your solar plexus, your ego, your edge got out, your ego, where you hold on to the negative this is the part where you tell yourself I am beautiful, I am wonderful, I am good, I'm giving myself instead of all those tapes we play to ourselves I'm not good enough, well you know what happened before when I tried it, I failed, all those so clearing that out, how much money do you spend on that can cause dis-ease here, then you have your heart chakra and that chakra holds on to your forgiveness, the biggest Mm -hmm. healing can do to your body, mind, spirit, your heart, your health is forgiving with compassion and non-judgment because holding on to that is damaging you. Mm -hmm. The person you're not forgiven doesn't, you know, so that's, you can see, I've seen so many blocked Mm -hmm. heart chakras and then I see their stories of where they're holding on to that uh-huh. anger, and then you got your throat chakra, and that chakra is your choices, the choices you make, and some of the choices what you put in your body, the choices of what you think about, you're holding your mind, those choices of, and it's also your communication. And I ask people to have choices that reflect the wisdom of your own spirit. We all have that wisdom, so those choices <laughs> are, can change. Into something that's good for you and your communication. Always communicate. Don't think before you talk, because you know once it comes out. So you can see how that chakra can cause a lot of things with your Mm -hmm. with your throat. Well, and then you get up here in your brain, and oh, enjoy your brain. You have wonderful worlds there. You can do it. You do it all the time. You get into these wonderful worlds, and in your brain, if you could just understand that you are so guided and so beautiful and you hold all of that and you are intuitive and you listen to that intuitive spirit but it's also the thing that if you don't hold truth in it because we know truth and if truth doesn't reside in your brain and you allow only truth in it it can Mm -hmm. cause headaches and all kinds of stuff and then here's your connection the top chakra that you connect with your guides the spirit what call god Mm -hmm. and all that so think about the money you spend on all these chakras by before you brush your teeth in the morning so how Mm -hmm. are you going to be focusing and be healthy so mine is a healing mission about giving you ways to empower yourself and that's a lot of work. So when I do a reading, I don't do it for me to take control. I give you back control. Mm-hmm. And you can do the work or not. So that, I guess <laughs> I get off sense. the subject, but
0: that's okay. It makes sense. It makes sense. Now <laughs> how long how
1: long were you at RN as far as as, as far as working in yours? Okay. Life begins at 70. I am going to be 77 next week. Wow. <laughs> Happy birthday. So I started when I, you know, I started in my 20s. So gee whiz, I'm telling you, I tell you a million years. So, I'm, and it's an evolving process too, because medicine has changed so much and mm-hmm. healing has changed and our opening up our own healing Prowers and and how we heal has changed. And when I started, um, well, I was brought up Irish Catholic from double angel land. We talked angel talk. We talked about the spirit of God in us. And my ideas and my involvement in the spirit has changed as we change and evolve because the spirit is in everything. I've learned that from both sides it's light and love. But then I went into the convent and I was telling you I couldn't talk very well because I, I was always intuitive and kind of afraid to tell people because the Catholic Church is starting to evolve. It. All religions are evolving into a more united understanding. Right. And, they th- and when you're into convent, they think, don't talk instead of for the greater glory of God. They thought I was a freaking saint because I didn't talk at all. So... There was no pressure, so I started, and I'm a, I sing family, was a family of singers and musicians, and we'd sing, But I could sing. Um, and then I started without the pressure, I started to be able to talk, and I haven't stopped since. <laughs> Good luck getting a word in, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> so then I get, went out into the world and it was like cultural shock in the world because I'd been somebody's daughter and a big fan. We had nine kids in our family, big Irish Catholic wow. fan world. And then there's the convent with five hundred nuns. And then there's this world. And I I opened up to find out so many things didn't happen to you if you sinned a little, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> It's like I was like a whole new world for me. I tell you, I had a lot of fun. and met some people that were different than my closed. and it was just such a beautiful opening up to me. And then as I was in nursing, I found I worked. And it, can you believe it? When I was in nursing in California, I worked at UCLA and many of the hospitals in California, mm-hmm. and I worked in this unit. And I guess I won't name the hospital, but they called it the terminal ward. The terminal world. Can you imagine what would that do for you if you were brought in there? You know, because it's like you, know, you say, you know, I feel like I'm getting a headache. Your body, mind, spirit says, "Oh, I know how to do that," and you do it. Well, you go to a terminal world and says, "I'm dying," so people were dying. And mm-hmm. when I was in with these people, I would try to, I could see, and when I do readings, I can see kind of a lifespan. I can see where they are now and where they're going and I, and I can see how they, And the lifespan is not just the lifespan here. There's lifespans before we got born here that you can see, you know? And then there's mm-hmm. lifespans that they're going on to. So I can see a lot of things. And when they're not done with their purpose here, yeah, I, I can see that. But you should see how the lifespans changed and narrowed when they were in the terminal ward. And I was with a woman called Elizabeth. I was going to the Chantaine and Life Center in California, Elizabeth Kubler Ross. And what a an wonderful woman. She's written many books on death and dying. And she had a center where she, she was, um, a doctor, and and the patients after they died would come and bug her. And so she started connecting in a book about that. You should read her book on death and dying. It'll keep you up all night. It'll be great. And, That's and, awesome. But I went and I talked to It is. And I was talking to her and I said, Elizabeth, I don't belong in this hospital. I don't feel healing. I feel a lot of the people aren't healing. The energy isn't healing. I don't even believe in some of the medicine I'm supposed to give or some of the treatments I'm supposed to do. I'd rather be there with them. Instead of doing all that, there's so much bureaucracy. There's so much money involved. See, my dog, he he's very sensitive. He's right with me on this one. So anyway, the furry ancient. I like, hey. And she said to me, and maybe it'll help a lot of you. She said, "Why do you not know that you're exactly where you're supposed to be? That's exactly the energy, the the spirit. That's mm-hmm. what they need, what you're doing. And you don't need to do it with words. Because there's bigger powers all around you already doing that. And it just, I carried that. And I thanked her for because she said, I'm now in this my center where I've written a book and all this stuff. And now I get everybody around me that believes just like me. Mm-hmm. And there's a no challenge to that because they they had her up on this pedestal. She's been on all TV shows and she was, and being famous, I'm telling you what, and you, you're a famous, girlfriend. So watch out, be careful. Let yourself <laughs> hide it. Don't let, you know, just keep that natural part of you. That knows that you're and that knows, right? Oh. That you're doing exactly, don't let anybody else and be around people that disagree with you, okay? And mm-hmm. and fill your pockets with people that disagree with you because that's exactly where you're supposed to be. You don't right. know how you own people's minds. So, anyway, so I found that if I thought of it that way. If I gave myself that sense of what if she's right? What if every place you are is exactly where you're supposed to be? And what mm-hmm. if you miss out and you're not listening and you're blocking mm-hmm. those different chakras? And you'll find it out because you'll get disease. Diabetes is that thing where you're taking the sweetnesses of life you're not able it's right here where your chakra is about your ego and you're not able to be it's like if, if i said you know what you are beautiful charlotte you have this glow about you and hopefully the first thing you don't want to do or joke or say is yeah right sure yeah okay i'm beautiful <laughs> well what's beautiful and then, we have that and i i uh, i tell all of you this is my nursing advice for you when somebody gives you a compliment take a deep breath just go take it in let it sink in because our first reaction because we have to be you know polite. oh no oh no my mother was great at this this is what she did i love my good irish mother she's all right you'd say something mom Oh, that was so good. You're such a good cook. She goes, No, I'm not. Am I? You know? You don't mean it. Do you? You know <laughs> Am I a good cook? What do you like? She would milk a compliment and pull it all in. She had a gift I could do it too, but you know, I learned from but that is something that'll keep you healthy. Because diabetes is nothing to mess with, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then anyway, um, Am I talking too much? <laughs>
0: oh, no, you're doing fine. I had a question though, uh, you know, as far as as uh, as far as the, I'm not gonna say adventures, you had the ER, but you know, your experiences in the ER, what you know, possesses a nurse? I mean, is that the is that the crown thing that a nurse can do is work in the ER? Or is it just something that like, like I was reading where somebody, you know, some of these nurses and doctors are like in a rotation to work in an ER?
1: I'll tell you what. Um... The one thing about nursing and probably life is there's geriatrics, there's pediatrics, there's Mm -hmm. ICU. And if one of these docs, no social skills. He was a surgeon. He didn't have to talk to anybody. You find the place that you fit. Some people connect so beautifully with children. Some people Mm -hmm. don't, can't deal with children. For a while there, I had a hard time when my son was killed at 19 by a drunk driver and I couldn't save him. And I'm an ER nurse and I've saved so many. So for me, I had to go through what that involvement of my grieving process to find the strength in that and find, Mm -hmm. well, all of us go through. But the thing about, and there are people that, I'll tell you what, hospice nurses, are the most in tune, you cannot work in hospice without knowing that there are amazing, incredible, beautiful guiding lights when a person is crossing over. They will talk to people that are coming there to welcome them to the other side. Just like babies when you're born for the first eight years of your life, the spirits on those other sides are guides or whatever you wanna call them, And angels, by the way, these fluffy little things, they are powerful, Mm -hmm. what we would like, God's like, incredibly loving. And anyway, I get off and stuff, but (laughs) the first eight years of life, Mm -hmm. you are getting away from that side. And then when you're on your way to the next stage of life, they come to welcome you and people will talk out and they'll describe people sitting there and as a medium they can't see them I will tell them and the person that they're that is there for them will tell me things that only they know so that they will listen to them and they always have a message even when I do readings people come to me for readings when they're going through a very critical in their life in a changing time in their life and that is for that is when you are the most guided not the most alone you are the most guided when you're going through these critical times so my darlings out there listen to that guidance so when they come to me for a reading i usually get in my dreams and sometimes they bug me all day i want you to tell my daughter this i want you to and tell her this and that (laughs) and they're saying because she's coming now to listen to guidance and i want her to here this fact and it's really interesting because i believe that we are born in and um and go on to different lifetimes in groups we stick together and we all are born into different families that are the same families from the different lifetimes so when we die we pass the t- to our children of some of the lessons that we have learned and we want to give them because they are going through things. And so many times that people would come and say, uh, my daughter is coming to you because she's going through this. Well, she knows in our family, we went through this. And now it's her time to evolve even further, to become even more important enlightened to take these challenges and turn them into opportunities of growth. And so when I do a reading, we are right there to talk to them and give them that they are guided. And we're also guided. We have so many beautiful. I'm sure your mom and dad are with you and you feel them because it's such a powerful sense. When I look at you, I feel them smiling through you even. So that you're passing the church that they gave you to go on and take more risk than they were allowed to do. So it's amazing. It's so. but when it's nurses and doctors cannot not believe that there's no such thing as death because mm-hmm. it's a ch- involvement of the spirit and it's taking off the armor of this body. And another thing is, it's kind of fun if you have a problem or you have a person that you're having a problem with. I did this with my daughter. I said to her when she had this, she said, this teacher just doesn't understand me. And it's all her fault. The teacher is staring. At me. It's not even by me. Anyway, she was all upset at the teacher. And um, she didn't think. And, and I said, OK, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to cheat. This is cheating. So, you know, so when you go to bed, what you do, is you program your dreams and you all can program your dreams if you have a problem mm-hmm. you program your dreams and you will find my dad used to say sleep bind up and whether you can remember his dream or not it was his awareness that he'd have so I said okay what I want you to do is go to that higher universal place in your dreams suggest yourself that you can do it and you're just and I want you to say I'm going to take my guides because we have powerful guides around us not just the souls that have gone before us but guides powerful guides i wanted you to say i'm going to take my guides with me and i want to talk to that teacher with her guides and i want Mm -hmm. us to have a higher evolved conversation about what is i'm supposed to learn from her and what she's supposed to learn from me and i'll Mm -hmm. tell you what and it she had a couple of days later she came into the mom she's like she gets me and i can't get mad at her because i kind of get her too and somehow we're kind of becoming friends and she did (laughs) but it's, it's amazing we can we have so many powers to make miracles out of problems And that's one of the reasons I love doing readings, because you can see a lot of the ways we evolve and the challenging journey we have here. (laughs) Now, uh, like
0: you said, I read the book all night. I couldn't put it down. You know, the (laughs) stories that you have in there. And they're not necessarily all paranormal because they're not, which is really cool too. I
1: know. Tell me about the
0: gentleman. Yes. Tell me about the gentleman with the, with the dreadnoughts, because that one really, really affects oh, me. Because oh, God I'm bless paranoid, him. Oh, I'm
1: paranoid God. about oh. those kind of creatures anyway. And <laughs> oh, Tell thing. everybody about that one. Oh, God. Okay, so I worked in UCL and the big city medicines. Country medicine is a whole nother world. And um, I was up in this, you're here, a small hospital up in. The um, f- forest, and these are country people, and we don't have a whole lot of resources up here. So, each other, we're all the neighbors, friends are all there for you. It's just wonderful. So, okay, now every year, I guess these people that I don't know exactly, there's a bunch of people that are nature's, and they have a for thousands of people from all over. They have a they find a place in nature to come together in communion to celebrate and to sing and to do all that for their whatever their I don't know what they're I do know but I'm not going to this group of people that come. so they decided to come to our country's forest place and I'm telling you what it was like we were invaded because they brought we had to put up a mash unit up the forest and we have this little er and so you get burns you get drug overdoses you get um, all kinds of problems with uh all kinds of things (laughs) but One of the things was they were out in the forest. And when you're out in the forest, there, you, there's no place, a lot of places to take a shower and clean. And so they could come with, you know, little visitors on their bike. So we had a matching. This time I was um triage nurse, which means I was sitting out in front to decide, you know, who's into right away is an emergency and who needs treatment and uh, when and how we can. We set up showers and we set up a match unit showers there because they needed to wash. And we have, we did a real good job. We had towels and we got little gowns for them to put on so that when they're sitting next to other patients, they wouldn't, you know, that they were clean. And also for us too, to protect all of us. So this guy came to the mash unit and this is out in front. It was a beautiful day. So it's kind of fun to be outside instead of in the air. And um, I came up to a paramedic and he said i want to see a doctor right now i need to see a doctor right now and here's this guy and he was a beautiful picture of whatever he was trying to express dreadlocks that went up like a mountain up here i mean it was like I couldn't even, big dreadlocks. And they went on all the way to his waist. And he had like snake skin and, and, and beads. This is Navajo, by the way. Don't you love it? A Navajo friend of mine oh. made this me. But he had like beads and things and decorations and stuff you too fierce to mention all over him and hanging. And, and he had an uh, aroma about him that was unique to him, too. <laughs> and it was like, his clothes i mean were i'm sure he they were great from 50 years ago and he never changed them i don't know but anyhow um the paramedics there said you know you're gonna there's the shower before you see a doctor you have to you know take a shower and and he goes started dying and so i came up and tried to help i said well you know it's you know for you know, you've got soap here we got all you know I haven't bathed in 24 years. I haven't bathed. I step back and I'm thinking how interesting. <laughs> but he said that it's my spiritual involvement. I am the flowing springs and his name was something like God the God of the flowing springs in any way. Anyhow, he had one of those really creative <laughs> names, Rainbow something. And so I said, okay, Rainbow Queen Swing, I'll, I'll discuss it. So I called Phil, who is a New York friend of mine, and he, he's just, he's still a great friend of mine and very intuitive himself. So I called him. Oh, I said, you got to talk to him, he won't take a shower. So. Bill goes, you know, um, yeah, we really care about you. And you said, no, I'm, I'm not going to take a shower. And he said, well, not, you know, you know, you're in the shower. I cannot diagnose you. I have to be able to check you out, and I can't check out this. And, and he, he was like really upset. And the paramedic goes, well, oh, no ticky, no washy. You're gonna. We're trying to be real nice. Finally, uh, he was so upset. To take, I, You know, that doesn't work for my three-year-olds when I would tell them, you know, take a shower, you know, it's against my religion, good luck, you know, so anyway, so we get him all and he got washed and everything and I get him into the exam room. And he's sitting there and he's going oh, I got these terrible headaches these Awful headaches and all And he's sitting there and everything And um, so I take He looks pretty good Everything looks in his neural circuit checks were good So he didn't look like a brain damage Or anything like that mm-hmm. And so So Phil comes in and he checks him And he says well uh, And, he, can, and his, he couldn't even Get a foot close to his scalp To check it you know And he said I, I'm really sorry but we're going to have to shave your hair. That was his connection with spiritual knowledge and greatness, Well, he went on to tell me why this hair was symbolic to him. And it was, he could sue me for religious prejudice and all of that stuff. And so Phil just said, okay, well then I guess can't catch you. Good luck to you, you know. And if you change your mind, you know. And then, then he just got really upset, and he just kind of screamed. And I just thought, oh my God, this guy's in pain. I said, I know it's like amputating a limb, but you look like you're in a lot of pain, and and we want, we really do want to help you. And the poor guy was so upset, and so he said, okay. So, and this is exactly what new EMS guy trainees need to do. So I found Gary, who was a brand new one. I said, this, this. Is, I want you to help me shave someone's head, and he says, "Well, I could. I learned that when I was 13. No problem." (laughs) So he walks in, and he goes, "You can't be serious, you know." He got one of those looks because it was amazing. So anyway, he just was interesting, and so we got him laying down on the gurney, and um, Gary got this big bag that had radiation bag that would catch all this contamination bag put it under his head, and it was back and held it there. And um, I and I had the, shape, the the razor and the soap, and I'm going like this and going like this. And then I started seeing these sores, all these sores. And I'm thinking, well, that's it. He's got all these sores. And I'm going like this. And, going, and then things started squirming in there, and it was like, Oh, yeah, yeah. and then the EMS guy's like, "Oh, he's trying to act because he's new, so he had he could handle anything. He had never seen anything like this, and so all of a sudden, and pretty soon, baby scorpions started squirming around, and and, and and Gary's like, "I told him you faint on me now," and, and so. Uh, so I had never shaved my legs as fast as I shaved his head. I've never shaved anything that fast, and he's like grabbing him and then getting him into the bag. And there were all kinds of baby scorpions. When you lie on the con- <laughs> on the forest floor, <laughs> critters are going to come in. We had a little um, museum of things you found in orifices. I mean, everywhere. I mean, all or we've been anyway. But this one was—I've never seen. I mean, we've seen bugs up noses, and so we got that. And wow! And Gary, Gary's putting it in several bags, and he's carrying it out, and he's doing the thing, and then, I, and then I'm, 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 and I'm bandaging. His head and putting salve on it and fixing it. He had terrible sores all over. He's lucky he didn't get poisoned by some of them, can be pretty. Yeah. He's lucky, you know. So I'm doing all that and I get him all fixed up. And we oh, had a feather. <laughs> he had a feather among his head gear. So, I tried to be real nice and put the little feather right in the bandage there. So, I I don't know. It probably, so he gets him and he's looking in the mirror, and all of a sudden he's thinking, hmm, (laughs) he's feeling a little better, you know? So, maybe it was good. So, the doc comes in. The doc doc says, "Um, You had some um, squatters in in your head. And, and I said, and yeah, and then he told him what it was, and he, said, oh my God! And, I said, and they said, well, I saved one dread for him because I thought it was a spiritual thing for him. And he grabbed that dread and he threw it in the trash, and he walked out. <laughs> oh, anyway, so that's one of the light sides, I guess.
0: <laughs> you know that story is funny because the way when I used to work at, at the at a bitter paper, and I remember. Transferring to a to a real small you know community paper, not real small community, but you know small enough. And it's amazing how much stuff goes on that people don't realize. You you're going to yeah. a small town, it's going to be a calm oh, yeah. situation, but yeah. it's not like that. It's not like that at all. Um, oh no! Let's talk. Let's talk about your son a little bit, and uh, oh, his act, you. You know, yeah. and and the accident he had, but the communication that you guys have shared all this time.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'd always been a medium and it was something natural to me. Mm-hmm. But when my son died, I did not want him to see him without a body. I held that against him. I mean, it was rude. I mean, I had no I didn't want to have that kind of connect- you don't expect your children to go first, even though as a ER nurse, it's different when it's your own baby, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I, I didn't. I had a hard time letting that in, but I had the first time was about three months. Oh, oh, I could give you a wonderful dream he gave me that helped me, but that would take about four more shows. But <laughs> You're going to have a hard time shutting me up, girlfriend, I'll tell you. That. <laughs> but um, I was in the um, this room with this boy who was three. Years, about three years old, and his language Mm -hmm. skills went well. At three years old, you don't speak that well, but he was in a coma. And at this point, he was dying of cancer, and there was not much hope. And his coma was gonna, we didn't expect him to come out, and he had rashes all over him. So Mm -hmm. I was putting and his mother was there all the ways and while I put some salve over his rash, And then I said, honey, to his mother, why don't you go get some coffee and I'll rock him. And she didn't want to leave him for a moment. And I said, I'll hold on to him. I'll rock him. And I was holding him and I felt Michael. I felt him, it's like as as a mom You can tell what kids are behind you in the kitchen You can tell which one they are He was standing right there, I could feel him I could see him in my heart size and my mind size And he was so beautifully, wonderfully him He was more healthy, more him than he was More of him than he was in the body It was hard to explain, I tell you We don't have a language for it But he was there, and he didn't look at me He looked straight at Loopy. And Luffy opened his eyes, he was in a coma, and they were, I I don't even know what they were saying. But they had a big communication and because I wasn't supposed to know. Right. I know, You, you don't hear what you're not supposed to. So I just, I was just embraced in the light and the love of the moment and held that baby in my arms. And then, Mike was gone. But he said in the last words he said to me on the phone before I went to work, I went on, "I love you, mom. I love you, honey. You know, and those were the last words. Mm-hmm. And so when he comes now, before he goes, he says, love you, mom. <laughs> I love you, honey. So this little boy is loopy. I'll never forget his name. And he was an Espanol, he talked to in Spanish. And he said, "I, Michael came, your son came. And he said, he's gonna be there for me on Thursday. And he's gonna take me to my grandparents and them all getting ready for me to go with my grandparents. And I was gonna go, but Mike said, no, not yet. And, and, and he said, I I want you to tell your mother, because he knew how I felt. That's my Michael, you know. Oh. And Luffy said, yeah, I need to tell my mother that I will be okay. And that my grandma and grandma are there. And I think it was Mike's way to saying, too. It, he was there with my family and all those on the other side that welcomed him. But it was such a powerful moment. And then... Oh he said i'm going to go home on thursday and that's what the little boy said i'm going home on thursday and michael's going to take me and so the mother came back in and then he was out he was back into a coma and there's something about a mother's heart communicating to a mother's heart the words just it's you communicate so much more than the words you just so i told her about my son and I told her that Loopy said he's going home on Thursday and that your mother and father are going to welcome him. And she's, she, it, just, it just gave us both such a sense of peace. And it mm-hmm. just sort of made sense beyond this world about losing a child that doesn't make sense. <laughs> There's no way that makes sense. Right, right. And on Thursday, little Loopy went home just one of those and it's interesting then after that when there was parents that had lost a child or a child Mm -hmm. that lost his parents i was in a grocery store and i saw a little two-year-old girl hanging on to a mother and father but i knew that wasn't a bodied girl because Michael was standing right next to him. So when mm-hmm. I, he brings parents and children to me so that they can connect and know what he wanted me to know. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know these people and I went up to them. And, and, and that's another thing I could go on at, but I am so protected. I don't talk and say things that my guides don't say, this is not for you to say, or this is. They put a light around me. So whenever I go to do a reading or someone comes up to me, they have been prepared by their own guides unconsciously, or they see a movie or read a book or uh, hear a song or something that says, this is okay to listen to me. That communication is so far beyond me. It's like Elizabeth said, you know, that's where you belong. Well, so I don't fight it. So I went up to her. And that takes guts, i got to tell you. It's not easy to do that. And I said, there is a beautiful little girl. She's two years old. And she's standing here with my son. And she wants you to know that she loves you and that you did everything you could. And there was nothing more and all the things that she was telling me to tell them and that she is safe and that Michael is with him and she just but mostly she wanted they all have different messages but what she wanted them to know is they they were not fault and there's nothing like guilt of parents you feel guilty if your kid cuts their finger you know (laughs) you can think of five million ways you could have kept that from happening well the two of them just held each other And I described the little girl, she's so gorgeous. Um, I'm also an artist, I did some painting of kids. Anyway, that's another thing. But anyway, they said, they told me what had happened and that they had felt that they just, if they'd only done this and that, maybe they should have done. And if they only took the backers advice, or they didn't, and the little girl, while they were saying this, kept telling me, tell them that this was, exactly what I came here to do. We all have a contract. I came here for this and you came here to teach me. That this is my time. There's a bigger contract going on than we know when we come into this lifetime. We probably forget it for a reason so we can connect to this earth, you know? Um, so that, I guess I went off again on my little tangents. <laughs> I can't help. okay. Open, that's okay. So. It happens, it happens um when you look back at some
0: of these experiences that you had i mean this is stuff that 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 will stay with you forever i mean it was in this book there's so many uh, cases that, that, that you put in there of different things that happened like uh like the children with with, with the snake phantom i mean that was pretty cool too you know how how, how the hospital oh has, yeah
1: Engine Joe. Children. yes oh man what incredible what an incredible guy he was he just he was. Um, he lived way out in the. Oh gosh, way out in the country on a reservation, and he connected snakes. And his grandfather and his great grandfather and the tribe taught them how to connect, get snake venom, and snake venom, especially up here in the country and in Arizona, is heal. It's it's a miracle, and you have to know what kind of snake it is that you can get the venom to. You do what's the word? I forgot. Here's a nurse <laughs> anti venom to, to cure the people with snake bites. So he would collect these things, he'd put them into a jar, and then, um, somehow collect the snake venom. <laughs> don't do this at home. Oh my god, I can't imagine that would be not my career that I'd choose in any lifetime. God, just don't let that happen to me. And I'm not gonna go, to... but anyway, so he did that. But about once a year, he would get bitten by a snake. Now, he had an immune system for snakes that it usually didn't bother him. But when it, he would know when he was going to go into anaphylactic shock with that snake bite. So he mm-hmm. would come about once a year. But we knew because he drove in by himself. A lot of people in the country, don't use 911. They don't have phones some of them. They get here, you know. So we knew we had but I was new at this country hospital up here. I was a city girl. <laughs> and so they knew that when he came, he was going to be um Probably right before he went into anaphylactic So, and he was about 300, and about six foot something. So, they take two gurneys and stick them together and tie them together and get ready for him to fall over on that thing. And it took several guys. So, here I am, neat little country girl from the city. I've just been working in the country for. So, I see in the AR doors, they're glass doors on um, the entrance doors, this big giant. Indian with mm-hmm. a snake that must have been a hundred thousand feet longer to me. It was the biggest snake in his hand. And he's walking in with his snake. And he's looking at him going, I didn't see the guy. I saw the snake. And I usually don't I don't lose my cool much. You know, and as an ER nurse, it takes a lot to shock us. I mean I usually <laughs> use my sense of humor. But that was it. I went, Snake! And I was like in shock. I'm going, and um, so the guys came running out, and they saw engine Do and they, and it was like they didn't say anything. They just went, got two gurneys, hooked them up, and thing, and I'm I'm like, and one of uh, the paramedics went and grabbed the snake, and I then I'm on to ER nurse. I'm right on him, and we're doing that and intubating, doing all the stuff, and he was he was. He came seconds before. He had guides. He had angels watching out for him. So we went and we got them and we rushed him off to the ICU. He was in a coma. But he always seems to come through. I don't know. But he should because he makes snake Beckham. So good for him. Okay, so I go outside the trauma room and here are these guys standing around and they're talking. And I look out on the glass doors out there and on the pavement, is this snake This snake all curled up Staring at me with his snaky eyes And I just And I know they can smell fear And so everybody is like real calm around me going Well well, that's Injun Joe's snake He's probably waiting for him To come back out And I'm going He's not allowed to be in here And I was so scared So Jerry This wonderful paramedic Kid, I'll save you. So he goes running out there and he's starting to go on and he grabs the snake by the neck and he's swinging and he's fighting and he's swinging around and he slams it down and he goes in and, and I thought, my hero, you know. And um about a week before I had gone on the entrance ride to Elk versus truck thing mm-hmm. and on the way I was trying to be really funny and I said, so I forgot. Um, the truck driver ran into elk and that's pretty serious. I said, I forget, what's the CPR for um elk? Do you put in the nostrils, You blow in the monstros, and how do you do? So they that was Jerry. He just said, Oh, you know, he turned on the siren to shut me up. Okay, so this is Jerry out there. And he says, Kathleen, Kathleen, look up in the ER thing. Where is CPR for snakes? And <laughs> so then I realized the snake that Joe would kill the snake before he brought them in anyway (laughs) I was thinking about only writing about the fun things and stuff and the different and not combining with the spiritual end of it I don't even like the word spirit but but I thought that's what our lives are like why not just put it out in there (laughs) So, so you're gonna laugh and cry if you write my book and sometimes laughter through the tears as Dolly Parton says is the best kind of laughter (laughs)
0: <laughs> I just find it interesting because you had this, you know, this long career doing this and you've got so many stories, you know, mm-hmm. including the stories with your son, you know, with your son helping you in, you know, literally helping you in the ER with, with the patients that, that, that come in. Yeah. And this is an interesting read because like you say, it's not all about the paranormal or anything like that because you can't, yeah. because you throw in other stuff in there. And that's what keeps the book really, really uh, fun, fun to read. You know, and I'm thinking about, uh, you know, nobody realizes what ER nurses do. I mean, what their function is really. I mean, you go to Kaiser, there's an the intake nurse, and it's like, well, gee, they're not going to pick me. I'm not sick enough, you know. But how, you know, when you have to evaluate a patient, how long, there has to be a set time for you as, as the intake person to figure out what, what needs to
1: be done. You know, do, do they need to go to the back right away or do they need to wait in the waiting room? What's that process like? Well, triage is a pretty serious thing, and all of us nurses in the ER switch into triage, too, because Mm -hmm. we want to have experience with all kinds of, but triage, and it helps to, and we all, nurses are very intuitive. You can kind of tell. Um, You have to see if you think this person's got to wait in the waiting room a little bit or someone that's got to get in now and time as an essence, or someone that can go in a, into a room and then we can get, because it's timing. And it's also checking what you can see to give you a pretty good hint on how to help this person the best way. People mm-hmm. get so upset, I had a lawyer screaming at me. He says, I am an important lawyer and my back is hurting and you're making me sit out of your weight Well, they don't know that we're doing CPR on a little child, you know, and mm-hmm. they don't see that we are Where triage is, where am I going to put my time? Like that MASH unit out in the country, when we do a MASH movie, there are some things that we got to know how to work with now and how fast to do it. You can save a life in a second. Children can die real quick and can heal real quick. So as an experienced ER nurse, it's important to have someone triage. So I can see and take a print. I do vital signs, but there's so much more than vital signs that can tell you how quickly and what needs to be done. And that's the triage responsibility, which is pretty um, a big challenge, but it's also an important part of nursing.
0: Absolutely. Now there was one particular, Well, there's a bunch of stories in there. Um, The one that intrigued me also was the one with the gentleman who had had something going on with his stomach. And you guys were transferring him to another hospital. Oh,
1: all right, Halloween. I mean, never, never volunteer to do a Halloween, a trick or treat, because mm-hmm. it's never quite. I learned at the Harvey. Okay, so here I am. This I'm in the air and stuff, and they call me up to the OR. Because his patient had, was a very obese patient that was having abdominal surgery. And that's pretty critical because of that weight and closing and opening. So they opened him up and they find out that some veins were around that tumor that we were trying to and they weren't vascular surgeons so they needed a more sophisticated surgery so they called this hospital nearby where there were surgeons that did that kind of surgery to complete the surgery and so I went up there and I said oh sure easy duty I get to ride on you know an ambulance with them I can do that so they hooked them up they put up they closed but they didn't sew them closed because they had to leave it open Mm-hmm. And moist cows So that they can quickly get in there and get out And So we had to transport them pretty quickly So they um, Wrapped them up with a binder real heavy binder And, it, <laughs> and I had my first hint when, <laughs> when they brought this big gurney out Because now we have um, Oversized weight gurneys So they brought this big gurney out And they came out with this guy A mountain of a guy All wrapped in And ready to go And so and they had he had IVs and all this stuff and monitors on and so I was ready to go. And so we're going down to the ambulance and it's Halloween. Okay. It's Halloween. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we get in there and and um Bill and Shirley were the drivers and they are wonderful paramedics and they married because they met on their working together. They're so cute. So they were really we're having fun. And um, we're just going to, and so we could and he was unconscious, so we could just, uh, so we got him up there, and we got all the IV and everything, and the monitor set, and I could see everything, and the oxygen, all that's red and, and I, I but I could not reach over, because he was so large to someone. Mm-hmm. So Bill got a whole thing, and he connected it to me, so I could, you know, and I was doing my little dance, you know, but I could reach over without, you know, getting too far. And so we're on our way. We're going. So sirens up. We're on our way. And they when oh gosh, people that chase ambulances, what the hell are you thinking? Excuse me, but you know, you put our lives in danger and you put the patient's life. Don't try to follow. Don't try to Well, I could hear Bill say, That guy's gonna run the red light. He's gonna run the red light. Holy come on, you know. And so it was like so quick, but then it was like in slow motion. The ambulance went sideways and then went and then tipped over. And I'm in the ambulance, and this big man and his gurney came on top of me. And I am inside, and, and all of a sudden, there was complete silence after all the noise of a crash, and that, then it's complete silence, and this man is on top of me. And so now, I have to clean shit off my, excuse me, off my face, and I have to get, and then I had to reach over and see if he was breathing, and he was breathing, and things got disconnected, but he had a heart rate, and he was breathing, that's all, and then I, then I heard this, Oh, the sound And his wound, his surgical wound Opened up oh, I hope you guys haven't had dinner yet. Anyway, it started gall coming smushing down On to me And all of his groceries In there and things fierce to fierce dimension And guts started coming Out onto me And so I'm just doing Everything I can <laughs> And then I hear Bill come over the gurney up there, going, "We can't go on meeting like this." <laughs> I, mean, I got going, ah. and so Shirley comes inside and tries to take my blood pressure. I said, "Get that! We need to get this." Guy. So she got some sterile towels and, some and we started, you know, getting the. Oh gosh, we made a dam, <laughs> and started putting in. Oh, these paramedics, when it's one of your own, the paramedics and cops. You know, they take care of us. We take care right. of each other. Suddenly, all these wonderful, strong parents—it was kind of fun. These great paramedics were holding up the gurney because it was on my legs and me. And so we were putting, and they got an IV started over, and they got the monitors. On. These guys were great while I was making the wound. You know, <laughs> and we put it all together, and then. Now, they're, the because of life, they had to get me out because it was, so, so they mm-hmm. are easing us out, you know, <laughs> it really isn't funny, but you got to be able to laugh, but they right. ease me out, and then they take the patient, and I'm standing up, and it felt so good, and these I thought what is it There a movie they're doing out there And I said what you know Who had a party and who invited And all these Halloween people With all of these costumes Were cheering me And they thought I had the best costume With blood I guess I was one of those zombies They thought I was And they thought they were making a movie or something So they were going great smile, Zombie costume So I tell you what I was doing great up to then I looked down mm-hmm. and I went because I wanted to go with my patient. I was going to go. And they went, nope. They grabbed me, and they went on. And I got a day or two off. I had a few bumps and bruises. OK, so I'm back to the ER. And this gentleman that got his surgery, did his surgery really well, and everything was fine. They, they <laughs> We got a call on the EMS radio that he was coming back to the hospital. He was go- From that hospital, he was going to go through the ER so we could Check his vital, as and take him to the surgical ward. So
0: mm-hmm. they said,
1: oh, Catherine. Oh, and then when I got back, there's all these cards that they make for the zombie nurse and happy Halloween. Mm-hmm. You took trick-or-treating to a new. Anyway, so they said, that's going to be your patient when he comes in. So he comes in, and Bill and Shirley Brought him right in, and there he was sitting on top of the world, waving because he was, he didn't know I was a celebrity. He was going, "Hi, well, hi," and they said, "We want to introduce you, Kathleen. She really, you know, she." I said, "I really felt the bond with you, buddy." <laughs> and they said, "You know, you made a whole new trick or treat. That, you know, you made Halloween for- and um, he goes, "What?" He, he didn't recognize me, he didn't know me. And so Bill mm-hmm. and Shirley whisked him, oh, that's just what we call Halloween, routine <laughs> travel, transportation. He never knew that happened. And we wow. never told him, but he did fine. I wonder what he would have thought though. I wonder if he reads my book.
0: Was <laughs> not I mean, when you felt the stuff coming down on you, and you were trying to put, <laughs> yes. you were obviously trying to put it back in. Because, oh mean, God! There's only two directions <laughs> you can go. on in. How? You know, a... mean, she's on top of you. How did that work? I, mean, I, I understand they, had, you know, she had towels and stuff, but I mean, you had to obviously shove it back up in there somehow and keep it up there until so you can. And throw you know it what?
1: And and you have to think too sterile, whatever. So right, right. And and you can't just grab because you can cause more problems than you solve. And mm-hmm. I I wasn't going to go through all the, but I get some sterile. You know, water poured over my hands, get gloves. And you have to put gloves on in a way that doesn't touch anything. So I'll tell mm-hmm. you, I learned some tricks, you know. But after being in the, um, as an ER nurse, for, and you learn so many tricks. But I, oh, in seconds mm-hmm. I got my gloves on I cleaned off. And then we got towels, sterile towels. We rinsed him off with the sterile sol- sol- sodium because it's the same pH as his blood and his guts and <laughs> It, right. And we moved it all. As, we put it in place. Little crossword puzzle, you know, a little puzzle. We got it all in there because we knew where things pretty much belonged. We figured, well, the surgeons better know how to do it. So we got it all in. And there weren't—they um, had clod, cut off any clotterized any breed, bleeders. So there mm-hmm. was some bleeding, but it wasn't anything like I thought it would be. I, I just because I thought he could bleed to death, and it could have been so serious. There were so many other right. things, but he had angels watching out for him. I'm telling you what, if he was, that could have been the last for him. So and we didn't tell him because we didn't want him to know all that. But I just told them that you are some pretty great angels watching out for you, buddy. Anyway, it, yeah. It's, it was just, it's,
0: a, well, it's just amazing to me because of of what happened. And then they were able to get him out because they obviously had to lift him out. Because he, he's he's kind of uh, I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. To have to you lift know, him out without bursting again. One of the things about paramedics that I am so impressed with, because in the ER we get them pretty cleaned up from the street, and they mm-hmm. see mangle. They 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 become incredible at getting that, and they s- somehow got me on a board, mm-hmm. and they got and they stabilized us. I, I just I was pretty busy taking care of my patient and. um do you know? Keep, but they somehow um it took about four or five, I'm um, probably more men uh, to get, and women. Women are we're strong, babe. I'm a strongness. You'll know, meet anybody quite like me. My, anyway. but you get you learn you get muscles where you didn't think you needed them. But anyway, mm-hmm. so they're. Where they got me out very carefully and safely with all of his equipment, and I'm, I just get so impressed when we see patients in the ER that they've taken out of mangled car, cars and how they've kept them alive, stabilized them, and packaged them and gotten them in. That's a whole, uh, I, I just can't tell you how impressed I am with some of the people I've worked with. And maybe that's one of the reasons I included everything in my book, not just yeah. what I see as a supernatural, which to me is pretty right. damn natural. But um, you need to know all the things that go into life because it's your life too. You can't just right. say there's the good stuff and the bad stuff. And I wanted people to get a peek into nursing Because it's been a rough time for us as people with families with feelings, and maybe Mm -hmm. we don't have time all the time to give you that. But I'm hoping in my book I gave you a piece of how it how we feel about you and how grateful we are for how you're there for us. It's just a really amazing network of love and light that goes around what we do, and I'm so so grateful. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Let's end on the, um, the Lady of the Lake story, because that was really a cool story. And, uh, you know, there's reports like that a lot. In fact, one of the ones that always interested me was up here in Placerville along Highway 50 is the woman um, who drove off the road and died. And her in her baby, her, I think she had two kids or one kid in the car with her. And there's this it's late at night, and there's this driver coming down that little stretch of highway because they didn't know she had gone off the road and they saw her standing there naked on the side of the road waving at people oh. and so oh. the guy one of the drivers called 911 and they went down there and they found her body And there with, i think it was her was her kid but the kid was the, the kid the kid was alive you know but she had taken care of her kid but she had he, no clothes had gone up to the side of the road was trying to wave down
1: drivers Oh my gosh, there there are so many stories, and we all have them. And just with us talking, people that are listening are are hearing their own stories, and, and being not afraid to share them because a lot of times we don't share because we don't realize that that is what life is. So if you don't mind, I'll just read it to you. Sure. Pretty lady, pretty lady of the lake. People who have survived life-threatening situations sometimes come back with near-death experiences to share. Adults have a difficult time expressing their thoughts on the subject. Medical professionals don't always take NDE seriously. It's easier to explain it away scientifically, concluding that it's about mind-altering drugs or a lack of oxygen to the brain. Children, on the other hand, have not unlearned-to-talk spirit. They believe everyone else sees things the way they do. Besides, for most kids, the truth is not just, not that complicated. By 9 a.m. on a memorable summer morning, we had already topped our quota of fish hook removals, treated a nasty spider bite, and splinted a fractured arm for a kid who thought it would be fun to launch himself from a swing and fly into a tree. The EMS radio went off. EMT, Julia, CPR in progress, 12-year-old girl found submerged in the lake. A man pulled her out and started CPR en route, ETA five minutes. Parents not on scene, police notified them. The ambulance arrived with CPR in progress. It didn't look good. Her EKG flatline, no spontaneous breaths. They shocked her heart three times en route to the ER. The doc decided to try one more time before calling it. Uh A nurse dialed up the defibrillator, clear. We stepped back. The little girl's body jerked like a rag doll. All gazes glued to the monitor. There was a blip, another blip followed by another. Just like that, the EKG monitor showed normal sinus rhythm. In minutes, she opened her eyes, fought the ventilator, and tugged at the tubes. She coughed when we removed the breathing tube. But after after a few deep breaths, she did just fine. Normal movement of all extremities, skin color improved, vital signs stabilized, no apparent brain damage. Hallelujah, miracles happen. Kids can go downhill fast, but they can also recoup just as quickly i put a towel around the little girl's long raven hair and wrapped her in a warm, warm blankets her luminous blue eyes confused and frightened peeked out at the all come all the commotion around her i bent close hi there my name's kathleen you're in the hospital can you tell me your name she sunk down in the blankets and in a small ball voice murmured casey i want my mom Your mom and dad are on their way. I'm going to take care of you until they get here. I adjusted the IV. Do you remember what happened, Casey? The child closed her eyes, seeming to gather her thoughts together. My sister and I went to the lake to try out my new beach ball. She slid the the pillow from under her head and hugged it. I swam out a little and the ball slipped out of my hands. It blew away. I wiped tears from her cheeks and waited. I was I was too far from the shore. She opened her eyes and frowned. The water was deep. My feet didn't reach the bottom. Her lips trembled and she admitted, I didn't wear my life jacket. My mom's going to be so mad. Your mom will be happy. You're OK. You came very close to drowning. Casey sat up, looked around. Where's the lady? What lady, Casey? The pretty lady from the lake. She peered out past the curtain to the hall. I didn't want to come back at first. She leaned forward with her conviction and stated, ''I'm glad I decided to come back.'' ''You're in the hospital,'' I reminded her. ''I don't understand. Come back from where?'' She hesitated, her forehead wrinkled and her lips pursed as if she was at a loss for words. ''I was way down under the water.'' Her eyes grew wide and she tilted her chin, speaking slowly. ''I couldn't breathe. My chest hurt. It was dark and muddy.'' Oh, honey, that must have been very frightening for you, but you're safe now. The young girl nodded. I was scared. Her face face softened, and the fear faded from her eyes. I stopped fighting for air. I didn't hurt anymore. I wasn't even afraid. Someone held me and protected me, she brightened. It was the pretty lady. She rocked me in her arms like a baby. I didn't mind, though. She she was an angel there was a beautiful light all around us we were in a green field greener than any green i ever saw all colors were bigger the sky was the bluest blue and the flowers were mag magnificent i could even hear their voices did you know flowers make their own music if you heard them you'd never want to pick them I told the angel lady that I didn't want to go back. I wanted to stay there with her. She was so nice. Everything was so pretty. The child smiled. You don't have to be afraid to die, you know. She paused, her gaze focusing in the air above my head. The angel looked right into me, and and I could see how much she loves me. She made me feel beautiful. I was beautiful. Casey scrunched up her face and rolled her eyes. I guess she had never thought of herself as beautiful. I scooched her over, tucked the pillow back under her head, and sat down. I agree with your angel. I think you're beautiful, too. Casey, more solemn now, said, The lady told me it was up to me. I could decide for myself if I wanted to stay there or she lifted her arms or I could come back here. Um, did you ever meet a real angel? She didn't wait for an answer. The pretty angel lady told me that she would never force me to do anything, not ever. But there was something important she had to show me before I made up my mind. Casey put her hands together and sat up. The lady gave me a book with my name in sparkly letters. She said that it was my book. I wrote it way before I was even born. What was in the book, I asked. The book was about the seven things that I promised to do in this life, she explained without hesitating. My angel said that I had to study the book before I made my choice to stay or to come back. Casey looked down at her imaginary book and opened her hands. I asked my angel if this was a test. I totally hate tests. But the angel said that there were no wrong answers. The book was humongous. It showed people places and things that I haven't... It even happened. There were promises from people who would be there for me, just like I promised to be there for them. Important promises. She closed her hands and pressed the imaginary book to her heart. I told the angel lady, I wanted to go back. I need to go back. Mm-hmm. I hugged her and gently laid her back down. I'm so glad you decided to come back, Casey. You have people who love you and need you here. Don't ever forget that. That's just what my angel said. Casey, do you remember what your seven promises were about? It was all about... That's funny. It was so clear. My angel made it easy to understand. Now, I I can't remember. Why can't I remember? I swept back a wisp of her hair from her face and looked into her eyes. Maybe we're just not meant to know everything. I guess that's where faith comes in. Sounds like your angel has a lot of faith in you. She let go of her phantom book. I didn't want to come home. I didn't want to come back without her. I asked her not to leave me. She gazed past the curtain again. But guess what? What? She made me a promise, too. She will never leave me. In fact, she's been with me since the day I was born. She talks to me all the time and guides every step I take. I guess it's her job or something. She told me an angel secret, too. It's about the choices, the choice to do the right thing, no matter what. It feels good, doesn't it? Casey smiled. Well, it makes your angel feel good, too. When we think we came up with the answers all by ourselves, (laughs) it means our angels are doing their job right. She laughed. Like, like right now. Right now, I asked. Casey gave me a quizzical look. I guess she thought all adults should already know about these things. Beaming with pride, she announced, I kept my first promise. I chose to come back. Exhausted, she lay back on the pillow, gave up the struggle to keep her eyes open, and fell into a peaceful sleep. I tucked her blanket snug and whispered, thanks, pretty lady of the lake. Job well done.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow fantastic stories. Guys, you got to get this book, you have to read it. Yeah. There's just so much in here that it's so great. I want to thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I we'll have to have get- you. <laughs> I- 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 I'll have to get
1: you back on sometime. Oh, I'll be here. <laughs> all right. Thank Terrific. you for all you do. I really appreciate how you bring out things that people don't know how to talk about. And you've given right. us a language. <laughs> there you go. There you go. How can people find you? Well, I have a website. My grandf- my grandson helped me do it. I'm not great at this computer stuff. But my website is that, you know, that H-T-T-P-S and then dot and then slash slash. Then it's KathleenGraceKelly.com. Mm-hmm. And it's about my book. And it tells you if you want a reading. And it tells you a few things. I'm also a stained glass artist, just throwing that out there. <laughs> So Fantastic. you can get on my website and tell me your stories, because I really find that it's a it's a universal language when you talk about your own two stories. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, like I
0: said, we'll we'll get you back on you know somewhere down the line. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a great one. All right. Yeah, you guys have to read this book. It's terrific. Um, I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't put it down once I got going with it. So it's, it's well worth the read. Tomorrow, Reagan Force is going to be with us. He's going to be talking about Life Between Lives. And uh, that'll be at the usual time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. So I'm looking forward to talking with him. Uh, he, he was on about a couple of years ago. And uh, fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Anyway, I'm going to give you her contact information and, and the book title and all that before we end. But again, if you like what you heard tonight... Please be sure to hit that like button and the smiley faces and all that stuff. And again, if you're watching from Facebook, please be sure to follow if you haven't done so already. And if you're watching from YouTube, please be sure to subscribe. Alrighty then, here's the information and uh, we're going to close it off. Here we go. Website, KathleenGraceKelly.com. And the book is Voices of the ER. And of course, you can get that at Amazon and all the other book retailers as well. All right, guys. For one thing I forgot was if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies because we're equal opportunity here at California Hunts Radio. We're just trying to get the word out of our, uh, of our little old radio show. So the more people that you share it with, the more people come to watch us. All right. Well, thank you. That being said, have a great one, you guys. See you tomorrow.